It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, go to ellerslie.com. We've never done this before, a Daily Thunder at night. Uh, That feels a little strange, uh, to be honest with you. For those of you that are going to be listening to this over, uh, I think we're releasing this tomorrow, uh, technically is how it's gonna work. Usually we do Daily Thunder live during our training season and then we're oftentimes in the studio in what we call our off season, which we figure we need a new name for because it's definitely not off. But uh, in this situation, we're trying something new. Nathan is, is recording all of his Daily Thunders on Wednesday nights and I'm doing a special event once a month and I'm recording four. So I will be, if you see the video of this, you'll see me in the same outfit uh, for the first four. So I'm not just in love with this outfit. It is because we're, we're actually filming four all tonight. So it's gonna be fun. And if you'd like to participate in a future one of these, we're gonna have a couple more just in this series. I know the next one is January 7th. I don't know what the one after that is. But if you wanna participate and be here live, uh, then you can definitely uh, join us on January 7th. So I have, uh, it's a risky series, and I'm just going to be honest with you on that, but I don't know that I've ever done a series that isn't somewhat risky, because I'm dealing with a man that is fairly well known, uh, and, but the reason I'm dealing with him isn't the classic reason. There's no politics involved in this at all. And if you said, is, is Teddy Roosevelt your favorite president? I'd say, well, I like Teddy Roosevelt, but I don't know that he's my favorite president. I mean, he's up in my, my top sector, but it's not that I'm just picking him for the classic reasons that you would expect. So I probably should at least unpack that before we get into this series. The name of this series is Life and Leadership Lessons from Teddy Roosevelt. I, ideally, it would have been spiritual life and leadership lessons from Teddy Roosevelt, but that's getting really long. And, but this is a spiritual emphasis. And so as a pastor, my desire is to cultivate spiritual understanding where the things that I'm bringing up impact us on the interior of our life. So the key question, Eric, why Teddy Roosevelt? And I'm going to say that's a very good question. So here's some good sounding reasons. Pure fascination. Teddy Roosevelt lived one of the most intriguing and adventure-filled lives ever lived. That is not an exaggeration. That's not a, you know, a hyperbolized statement. He really, truly lived a remarkable life. To study, here's another option. To study Teddy Roosevelt is to study the makeup of our country. He embodies the virtues of our amazing land and American experiment. It's a magnificent follow-up to my series entitled Black and White America. And so... That could be a reason. Actually, that's not my reason, but it would. It would fit. And because you could study just this one man and unpack and understand the nature of the, and the character of our country and what it is that is uh, hanging in the balance right now. But I'm going to give you the reason. And I, I emphasize the, the reason for this. I'm going to call it the Stanley Dale principle. So I gave a series, uh, boy, I, don't, I can't even tell you. Was, I know it was fall, probably a couple years ago. And it was, I think, around a 24-part series called Daring to Do with Stanley Dale. Look at that. I even have that that I stick up there uh, to show you the series. And I, I grabbed uh, a young picture of Ernest Shackleton to 
uh, sort of play the part of uh, Stanley Dale. So it actually isn't even Stanley Dale up there. I could not find a picture of Stanley Dale when I was first putting this together. But it, it works because a young Ernest Shackleton it fits as well. But this series had a huge impact on my life. And any of you that have heard this series know how weighty this is and how profound it was. Now, the whole series wasn't technically just on Stanley Dale. He was sort of a symbol of it. But what is that symbol? Well, I could say Stanley Dale, if I was working with him, would probably drive me crazy. He's a very, very challenging man, but he loved Jesus. And there's something about that combination of taking an imperfect vehicle and yet impacting the world in a profound way that really inspires me. And it also gives me hope to recognize that even though I can be my harshest critic, and I don't know that I'm very similar to Stanley Dale. Technically, that's why I wanted to bring him up. He, he tends to be the photo negative of Eric Ludi. And not maybe in every regard, but there are certain things about Stanley Dale that are like absentee attributes in Eric. And it's like, oh, I really want that, what is in this man. Now, with those attributes came some rather rougher qualities. And you're going to see a similar thing. Teddy Roosevelt is sort of in that package of like a Stanley Dale, where he has some rougher qualities, not the same. It wasn't a social roughness. His rougher qualities were in different, different categories. But he's an imperfect man, and I actually really like that. So here's the ingredients list of what's attracting me. I'm looking for a man who's imperfect and chock full of weakness, but who decides to live for the glory of Jesus Christ, who dares to dream big, who doesn't flinch when the world declares his dreams impossible, who overcomes incredible difficulties and dares impossible feats, who suffers greatly but rises back up with a shout of joy, who never stops churning his legs even in quicksand, and who changes the world because he refuses to live small. I just summarized the entire series right there. This man's life is remarkable. And what he portrays is something I feel is a vacancy, not just in my life, but in the modern church. And so in bringing him up, I'm not saying I want you to be Teddy Roosevelt. There's only one Teddy Roosevelt, and he's already lived his life. But there are qualities in it that I feel as the body of Christ, we need to freshly cultivate. But they're sort of old school qualities, which is why it feels a little awkward. And it's easier to bring up Teddy Roosevelt than to just teach you these qualities. It's like, hey, what do you think of that quality? That's fairly unique, isn't it? So part one, the cure for the weakling. Introducing Teddy Roosevelt. So I have a picture of him up there. You know, he's just, if you, most of us know what Teddy Roosevelt looks like. He's just sort of a classic character in American history. But, you know, he's, most of us think of him as a tough guy, barrel-chested, you know, just the man's man. And yet the way he started is the exact opposite of that. So here's a picture. I know this was Photoshopped. There's no way that this is an actual picture of him riding a moose uh, through some lake. But that is sort of the enunciation, I'd, I'd say, in most people's minds. That's the type of thing he would do, right, if you could ride a moose through a lake. That's, that's, uh, that's a great picture of Teddy Roosevelt. 
So Teddy Roosevelt is born October 27th, 1858. Don't worry, I'm not going to go into such detail that we're going to move year by year through this guy's life. But just to give you some context, you know, that's right before the Civil War. So he's going to come onto the scene basically right as our nation is dividing. And one of his passions you're going to see in life is going to flow out of that, a desire to see a, a nation that is broken brought back together, which I can identify with that vision. It's sort of like I've grown up in a church which is broken, which is divided. And in his mind, he would say unnecessarily so. And what I would say from my position as a pastor, the church is divided unnecessarily so. So Martha Stewart, isn't that a great name for a grandma? Uh, And so this is Teddy's grandmother. As he popped out of the womb, he said, and isn't it funny that we even have this quote? He's as sweet and pretty a young baby as I've ever seen. And then his mom, Martha, uh, is going to say, mother, he looks like a turtle. (laughs) I don't know why I'm including that, but that was just fascinating to me. So I, I can't get the baby picture so that we can make our assessment of if he really did look like a turtle, but there is a young picture of Teddy. So Teddy the weakling, he suffered from an acute asthma and very, very poor eyesight. So asthma to us today doesn't sound like much, but you go back a hundred plus years and asthma is a very, very serious thing because they didn't have inhalers. And so they didn't know what it was first off and they didn't know how to address it. So there was a whole bunch of guessing. It's sort of like going back in time and talking about bloodletting as a, you know, a, a way of getting a fever out. And it's just like, okay, that's probably not the best idea in hindsight, but back then they were doing their best. I guess that's why they call it a medical practice. They were practicing on all these characters and Teddy was being practiced on. History.com says it this way, malnourished from a lack of appetite, the scrawny boy with a sunken chest suffered from frequent colds, coughs, nausea, headaches, cramps, and fevers. William Hazelgrove in his book, Forging a President, said Teddy was apparently a weakling. He seemed incapable of action. And so the crude pharmaceuticals of the day were used to stop the attacks, but the attacks were horrible. Drowning was often invoked as a comparison slow drowning. Waterboarding might be its contemporary equivalent. The sensation of an acute asthmatic attack is that of being strangled or suffocated, only infinitely more complex. Could you imagine growing up with this ailment? Imagine being a parent and having your child suffer from this, and they didn't know what caused its onset. And so he would go into these fits and he literally could not breathe. And so they would do whatever it took to get air into his lungs. So William Hazelgrove continues, the whole body responds in an asthma attack. The trouble is not just in the lungs. The central nervous system is involved, the endocrine system, both sides of the brain, possibly the stem of the brain as well. The agony is total. And the largest part of the agony is psychological, inexpressible terror and panic. So Teddy Roosevelt has a quote. We have, he's a very Uh, He has voluminous writings. And so we actually have a lot of statements from Teddy, which is a fun feature. I was sickly. I was a sickly, delicate boy, suffered much from chronic asthma, and frequently had to be taken away on trips to find a place where I could breathe. I mean, I can't even fathom what it would be like living like this. This was his life. He was struggling every day to breathe. 
He had almost no appetite. He was I mean, just frail as all get out because of it. So one of the techniques they tried, I remember when Hudson was born and we could not get him to sleep. We would do whatever it took. If you're a parent, you understand that because if they don't sleep, you don't sleep. And so you'll go to great lengths. We had some type of device that vibrated his crib, you know, so it, it was like a moving car because the car seemed to work. We would drive him along in the car with him in the car seat and sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't, but we would try whatever it took. And I could sort of envision what this was like for the Roosevelt's. It's just a hyper version of it. But they would take carriage rides at breakneck speeds and have Teddy stick his head out the side with his mouth open so he could get as much oxygen in as possible. And this was something they determined to help, so they would do it almost nightly. Uh, anything to get air in little Teddy's lungs. So there was a doctrine in this hour. We, we always have a doctrine in the church that is there, even though it's oftentimes unspoken. You don't always give a sermon on it, it's just understood. I don't know that I wanna go into what our doctrines today are, but they're not always biblical. Sometimes they're social. And they make their way into the fabric of Christianity. And back then they had a doctrine that I think to us, I don't think that it's not that we don't understand it. It's just that it seems a little hyper, a little maybe extreme. And that is being sick is a sin. So that was actually, that's, that's Teddy's dad right there, Theodore Roosevelt Sr. And Teddy Roosevelt's dad believed that sickness was a sin. So could you imagine having a son? that was constantly sick and how he had to deal with this psychologically, emotionally, even spiritually. He was a strong Christian man. William Hazelgrove said it this way, the Roosevelts were at the mercy of the medical theories of the day, which were often contradictory. An asthma attack could be brought on by a fall, something the boy saw, bad air, good air, or rain. Some said asthma was hereditary and came from the mother. Others said that patients themselves brought on the attacks, that they were in some way psychosomatic and that the sufferer was to blame. There's obviously a problem with him. He you know, has something wrong in his head, which is why he has these asthma attacks. There's a thousand theories about this. Passionate fathers can build amazing kids. Just a statement of fact, okay? You can take that and run with it, right? Passionate fathers can build amazing kids. They can also accidentally crush them under the weight of their fervor. Okay, now I don't know if you think I'm speaking from personal experience on this, but I am a very fervent, passionate dad. Probably like Theodore Roosevelt Sr. You know, I, I actually sort of can get the guy and sort of like him. And I, you know, sometimes you like characters that you can you know, suffer along with and feel like, man, maybe that's me too. Uh, so here's Papa Roosevelt. He says, being sick is a sin. Uh, so this is just a father I know. I, you know, I don't know that I want to go into any detail of who the father is, but being late is a sin. Okay, that's just, you know, this father that I know, he, he has thoughts like that, right? It's not actually in the Bible. You can't drudge it up in the Bible and find it there, but it feels like a sin. And for those of you that think like that father, you understand what I mean. Okay, it's like to be late is disrespectful, is dishonorable. And I can find a scripture about that. Love is not rude, right? And yet it's a hyperbolization of something that shouldn't have that much weight on it. To get the, to get the, uh, the label of sin, it has to be pretty bad, right? And yet you can accidentally do that. Just like being sick is a sin, you know, being late is a sin. I actually have a, a shot. I, I caught this father and I got a, a photo of him just so you guys can see that he is real. 
Uh, uh, so there's another, there's another father that I know. Uh, running around the house naked is a sin. Now, you can't really dig that up scripturally, especially after what Nathan taught today. You know, you have this character named John Mark. Well, we don't know that it was John Mark in the Gethsemane scene. And, you know, he loses his linen cloth and goes running off naked. It's like, well, you know, what do you do with that guy, uh, right? But I, I got a picture of this guy, too. Uh, uh, and this is another father I know. Uh, being loud in a hotel after 10 is a sin, okay? I got a shot of that guy, too. Uh, another, there's another one. I know that it seems like the guy always looks the same, but I, I think they're different fathers. Not sure. Blocking the sidewalk and making someone step off the path unnecessarily is a sin. And uh, yet another father I know, overflowing the toilet and or the bathtub is a sin. So the making of an action hero, when you were in desperate straits, you must do something. Now, some people, when they're in desperate straits, go into a paralysis mode and they actually surrender, they give up. It's the exact opposite of Theodore Roosevelt Sr. And it's gonna become the opposite practice of Teddy Roosevelt. So the making of an action hero, after all, he had to do something. History.com says it this way. Ultimately, Roosevelt's father proved the best tonic for the ailing boy holding him in his arms and carrying him upright whenever he struggled for air. So you're going to see this dad sort of working through this, but his dad, instead of just you know, saying, hey, I give up, is going to actually invest himself into his son in such an extraordinary way where Teddy Roosevelt will look back in his life and actually say the greatest impact player in his life was his father because his father was willing to do whatever it took to help his son. Even though he had no doctrinal explanation for what was going on, he's like, hey, I'm in. I'm willing to do whatever it takes. So listen to Teddy Roosevelt's quote about this. I could breathe, I could sleep when my father had me in his arms. Isn't that a great statement? It's a profound statement in my mind. So there's going to be a vision in this time. Now it's funny because we live in the year 2023. And to us, exercise is just sort of part and parcel of a healthy life. But back in this day, which is going to be, you know, the late 1800s, it was a foreign concept. And so there's this vision for the cure of exercise. So a man, and he's an English physician, and he specialized in asthma. And this is in 1864. Now remember, Teddy was born in 1858. So for some reason, this phenomenon known as asthma is coming up in this time period. I don't know what was going on that was creating this dynamic, but this man is going to adopt it as his key study, and he is going to come up with a theory. So listen to what Henry Hyde Salter said. Exercise is the most important thing a person can do to ward off attacks of asthma. Organs are made for action, not existence. They are made to work, to work, not to be. And when they work well, they can be well. That's just a fascinating uh, theory that this man is hatching. William Hazelgrove uh, says it this way. Roosevelt's father took Salter's exercise theory as gospel and preached it to his son with the fervor of the converted. Action and more action was to be used against this disease brought on by the mind, a vigorous approach to life. 
the entire life of Theodore Roosevelt is going to be defined with something called strenuous action. And so all throughout this series, I'm going to bring this up because this is part of the model that I would say is, is very important for us. We deal with a problem in Christianity, and that is there's this dimension of our Christianity, which is to rest, to have faith in Christ and to abide and to remain and to rest in his work. And then there's this other side, which is what we do in that resting state. Do we just subsist or do we do something? And what I want to draw out, out of the life of Teddy Roosevelt is this idea of strenuous action in the most positive sense where you guys can catch a vision for how this is supposed to impact us. Because the world is falling apart out there and it's not getting better. We have an assignment and there's something we need to do, but it involves action. The battle of ideology. So the doctors are going to say two different things. The doctors locally are going to say, uh, you shouldn't do anything, Teddy. You're too fragile. If you excite yourself too much, it could kill you. Then you're going to have this physician from across the ocean that is going to say, you need to exercise. Which way is it? That's sort of hard to know because one could kill you. Well, they both could kill you, right? The battle of ideology. Teddy must be active versus Teddy must be completely still. Doesn't that sound like a Christian uh, challenge for us too? Am I supposed to be still and know that he is God or am I supposed to do the works? Uh, Am I supposed to follow him, pick up my cross? Am I supposed to do something or am I supposed to just sit around? I mean, what am I supposed to do? So Dr. Dudley Sargent, who's the local physician, you know, the personal physician for the Roosevelt's, Teddy must not lead a strenuous life. Isn't that an interesting quote? Considering the doctrine of Teddy's life is going to become the strenuous life. Teddy must not lead a strenuous life. He must lead a sedentary life and avoid strenuous exertion at all costs. Our battle of ideology. Which way are you going to go when the going gets tough? When you're struggling with your asthma, I don't know what it is. It's probably not actually physical asthma. It could be. But which way are you going to go? Because there's always a bait to become sedentary, to give up, to let it rule you. Or are you going to go active and defy it? Which way are you going to go when the going gets tough, active or sedentary? So this is Teddy's dad, Theodore. This is the famous quote in his life. Theodore. You have the mind, but you have not the body. And without the help of the body, the mind cannot go as far as it should. You must make your body. It is hard drudgery to make one's body, but I know you will do it. Teddy's response, I will make my body. By heaven, I will. These are really cool quotes that we have. But that's his statement. I will make my body. I know that's not terminology we're going to use. I will make my body. However, I will beat it into subjection. I will bring it into health. I will not succumb to this. I will fight it. By heaven, I will. William Hazelgrove says, Roosevelt never told anyone about Dr. Sargent's medical prescription. In other words, be sedentary. But he told Dr. Sargent he would continue to push himself and die in the process if need be. So much for the admonitions of Dr. Dudley Sargent. The acute asthmatic is closer to living the true Christian life than most. What Theodore Roosevelt has in this situation is gold. 
And I want you to just listen to these quotes and just imagine your own asthmatic condition spiritually and the challenges you faced because we all have them. We have different things that try and keep us down and, and command us into the sedentary position. You can't do this. You're not capable of doing this. You don't have a good enough mind for this. You don't have a good enough body for this. The acute asthmatic is closer to living the true Christian life than most. So this is that physician from England. Remember the specialist in asthma. It is as if having experienced asthma, the asthmatic finds other pains and discomforts mild by comparison. Because he has experienced these pains and discomforts, the other things that actually cause pain and discomfort to other people don't bother him at all. So I found this out. I'm calling it Ellerslie amidst the COVID 2020 confusion. I know some of you are like, don't you dare talk about that year. I'm just going to briefly bring it up. Okay, we're not going to do a deep dive. But when Ellerslie before, like pre-COVID, had our four hardest years that we'd ever had. They were hard years. Everyone else seemed to be having a great time. All ministries were thriving. We were having our hardest time. And then something happens when COVID hit and all these other ministries are just, you know, flailing about and didn't know what to do. All these churches don't know if they should be open. That was like a Hawaiian vacation for us. That was the easiest stretch I think we've ever had in our ministry was in that time. We'd already had so many struggles with our own asthma conditions that when we got to other struggles, they actually weren't that hard. And there's a benefit that you have when you are trained in difficulty because it actually makes other things that are not, that would be difficult if you weren't trained suddenly seem like water off a duck's back. William Hazelgrove said it this way. He was either a victim or a conqueror and Teddy had to choose to be the latter or die. Here's our physician again. The asthmatic knows that a certain percentage of his future life will be dedicated to suffering. An asthmatic knows that. How about a Christian? Now, most of us don't like that quote applied to Christianity, but it is profoundly true. All you have to do is read the scriptures and you can come to that conclusion. But Teddy already has this baked in. He has grown up with this suffering and he has to choose either to stay in bed or to fight. He is going to train like an Olympic athlete. He is going to, as he said, make his body. And so he learns boxing. He's doing all these exercises. That everyone's like, oh, what's that exercise? And he's willing to do whatever it takes to quote unquote, make his body. William Hazelgrove said, Terry adopted, T Terry, Teddy adopted the philosophy that suffering is life. And so to suffer from extreme hardship or turmoil or intense physical challenges is considered within the realm of normal. This is a gift. Don't you wish? Well, I don't know that you wish for this, but that is a gift. This man is going to accomplish more than maybe all of us combined in his life. You know what one of his secrets is? That he accepts the challenge. He smiles at the challenge. He knows it's part of life. We're always working overtime to try and eliminate it. The vision for vigorous action and the cure for the weakling. Kathleen Dalton from her book, Theodore Roosevelt, A Strenuous Life. As he gasped for breath, Roosevelt kept going by reading avidly, especially the adventures that featured struggles and triumphs against danger by larger than life heroes. 
Already at the age of 10, his imaginative life was peopled by the Ivanhoes, Robin Hoods, Natty Bumpos, and Civil War and American Revolutionary soldiers, all heroic male adventurers who transported him far from his sickbed. We have an interesting problem in Christianity today. I don't know if you picked up on it, but I'm calling it the modern Christian movement, and that is to lower our heroes down to the level of pedestrian. So what is happening for Teddy is he's actually looking at men, even if they were mythical, and saying, I want to live more strenuously. I want to live higher, not lower. We have a tendency to want to excuse our low living by bringing heroes down to it. So we lower our heroes down to the level of pedestrian, or we lower the bar so that anyone can step right over it, or we marginalize the high call and refer to it as extreme. And what that leads to is that we remain the weakling. That is the modern doctrine. It is okay. It is okay. Just stay in bed. Live the sedentary life. God loves you just that way. What we need is a father that says, hey, you have the mind, you have the doctrine. What you need is the body. You need to actually live this. Where is the athleticism? You have to get in shape, Teddy. So this is actually from something known as a Captain Main Reed adventure. I've never read one of them, but this is the little quote that greatly impacted young Teddy. I know this seems like a very strange place to find a quote, but it's hard for me to know how to stick it in, but it's so important in his life. So this is actually a quote from the book. And it's a young sickly boy like him that is gonna go to the Wild West. And he is going to discover adventures. And even though he was sickly, it's something about those adventures that's going to change his life. So this is what the uh, sickly boy said in the Captain Main Reed adventure. What with the wild gallops by day and the wilder tales by the night watch fires, I became intoxicated with the romance of my new life in the Wild West. My strength increased both physically and intellectually. I experienced a buoyancy of spirits and vigor of body I had never known before. I felt a pleasure in action. My blood seemed to rush warmer and swifter through my veins. So who's reading that? A young Teddy Roosevelt who is dreaming of having health rush through his veins. He wants to be healthy. He wants to be vibrant. He wants to go to the Wild West, guys. That's what he wants to do, which really did exist at this time. So a 13-year-old Teddy suddenly emerges from his sickly cocoon. So there's, I don't know if this is his 13-year-old picture, but it's at least a little older than my other picture I gave you, somewhere in that zone. William Hazelgrove said, in 1872, as he galloped through the West in his mind, Teddy Roosevelt received for his birthday, his 13th birthday, a gun and a pair of spectacles. The 12-gauge rifle from his father was a double-barreled French-made shotgun with a big kick. With his new spectacles, the boy who could, who could now see beyond 30 feet found the world opening up. He couldn't see behind, beyond 30 feet his entire life until the age of 13. Now, I just want you to imagine what happens in our life when we choose to make our body. And we get the double-barreled shotgun from our father. I know that's probably not the gift we think of coming from our Heavenly Father, right? And a, a set of spectacles. And suddenly the world opens up. Anything's possible. Some of us have never actually had those spectacles put on where we can see beyond our limited asthmatic condition. Teddy Roosevelt. I had no idea how beautiful the world was, he said. I could not see and yet was wholly ignorant that I was not seen. Isn't that a great statement? He didn't know he wasn't seen. That's just having 
poor eyesight was his lot in life. He didn't even know that there was such a thing as good eyesight. So famous statement, I don't know if you can guess the author. When I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, that becomes a stage upon which something can grow. It is a soil, especially designed heavenly soil, that if we embrace it, it actually equates to our strength. When we decline our weakness, when we complain about our weakness, we are never able to leverage it into the great strength that God desires to cultivate in our lives. 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, an asthmatic condition, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this asthmatic condition, it doesn't say that in the scripture, by the way, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you get the privilege of an asthmatic condition, you have a boon in your soul. You have a better hold on the Christian life than others around you. Because it's actually in and through those difficulties when we embrace them by faith with confidence that God leverages a greater strength in our life. Action is the cure for all ailments, introducing the vigorous life. This is from a speech of Teddy Roosevelt in 1899. It's the doctrine of the strenuous life. It produces that highest form of success which comes not to the man who desires mere easy peace, but to the man who does not shrink from danger, from hardship, or from bitter toil. I don't know how you guys handle danger, hardship, and bitter toil, but we're wired to shrink back. And what he's saying is the strenuous life builds us to not shrink back, and he's going to prove that many times over. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. We have a tendency to hear the truth, but not act it out. We have not learned the doctrine of the strenuous life. We look for the life that is easy, that is marked by physical worldly comforts, and it robs us of our athleticism. Hebrews 11, 32 through 34, and what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousnesses, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. So there's, I'm going to just hollow out and take out one little portion of this. Hebrews eleven thirty four. 34, who through faith out of weakness were made strong. It's just poor grammar, you know, it doesn't stand out to us. So I'm going to flip the grammar around. It still says this who through faith were made strong out of weakness. Your faith in Jesus Christ, when you appropriate your asthmatic conditions, is actually going to leverage that asthma into your great secret of success. Teddy Roosevelt's secret of success is that he started with a limp, that he started with a sunken chest, that he started with the inability to get air into his lungs. Well, that doesn't sound like a good foundation for a strong man. He'll, he'll argue with you. It was actually the great secret of his life. So I'm going to give you the Teddy edition of Hebrews 11, 32 through 34. You're not going to find this in your Bible. This is just up on the screen right now. And what more shall I say for the time would fail me to tell of Teddy Roosevelt's vast exploits, who through faith charged up San Juan Hill and single-handedly won the Spanish-American War. 
at least in his opinion, he's sort of single-handedly one. I think there's a few people that don't agree with that. Brought law and order to the Wild West, hunted bull moose, swam with sharks. These are not exaggerations, guys. This is some of the most extraordinary stories. Was the president of the United States for two terms, was shot in the chest at close range and remained unfazed, was made strong out of terrible weakness, waxed valiant in fight and inspired our nation to remember its poor and beleaguered citizens. Oh, what in the world? Who is this guy? Teddy Roosevelt, the American action figure. Oh, there's a picture. A young Teddy Roosevelt. He's starting to get his game on. So this is the creed of Theodore Roosevelt Sr. So this is the, this, the dad, the father. Get action. Do things. Be sane. Don't fritter away your time. See, you get a good father and you have the potential, yes, to crush your child with too much expectation, with too heavy of a hand, but also to inspire him, to rise up and to no longer be the weakling. So I have a Teddy Roosevelt question in each one of these episodes. Here's this, here's this one. What's your asthma? Are you leveraging your asthma's secret transformative power to ready you, to shape you, and to refine you? Are you choosing sedentary preservation or active risk? And then in each one of these messages, I have a quote. Teddy Roosevelt quote number one, Teddy on courage. Here's what Teddy Roosevelt said. Courage is not having the strength to go on. It's going on when you don't have the strength. That's a nice one. Lord, I ask that you would take that truth. And you would drive it deep into our soul, that we would not critically appraise the value of our asthma, but that we would cherish whatever weakness you have entrusted to us, even if it comes from the enemy. Lord, we know that your grace will be made sufficient in and through this, and you will transform it into strength in our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that we ask this. Amen. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. If you'd like to learn more about Ellerslie, our discipleship programs, or support the ministry financially, please go to ellerslie.com to learn more. Thanks for listening.